welcome to the 45th episode of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. My name is Molly, and today I have three questions. They're about autumn leaves, birds, nests, and football. Before we start, I just want to say I've been away for a few weeks because I've had a baby. I now have two children. The new baby, just like my big baby, is totally amazing, beautiful, gorgeous, and I love them both beyond words. My baby's name is Albie. He's now eight weeks old today, and so this episode is for him, as well as his amazing brother, who has also been on this podcast asking a question about Incy Wincy Spider. I hope once Albie learns to talk, he'll be able to ask a question on the podcast too. I also want to let you know about the beautiful Everything Under the Sun book, which is being created at the moment. A few of you have written to ask me about it and asking if it's out for this Christmas. Well, actually, right now it's being illustrated by 12 amazing illustrators and turned into a beautiful, enormous book of 365 children's questions answered. It's going to come out next Christmas. So it's not ready for this Christmas, but let's hope next year's Christmas comes around soon. I can't wait for the book to be out and to share it all with you. It's going to be brilliant. It's coming out September the 1st, 2020. It'll be in the shops. For now, I do have three other books out already. One is for grown-ups and called The Secret Museum, all about stuff hidden away in museums around the world, the things you never get to see, including spacesuits covered in moon dust, Van Gogh sketchbooks, and a piece of Isaac Newton's apple tree. The other two books are for children, and they're called Wonders of the World Museums, which is about all the interesting things in museums around the world that you can see, and Natural Wonders of the World, about the most beautiful wild places and animals on our lovely, beautiful planet Earth. So I hope you enjoy those. For more information, have a look at my website, mollyoffield.com. Right, on with this week's Everything Under the Sun. I've missed you. It's so nice to be back. Our first question is about autumn, because Albie was born in England in the autumn, where we are currently surrounded by beautiful orange, red, brown, beautiful, beautiful leaves falling from the trees and turning lovely colours. So we're going to chat all about that. Our question comes from Annabelle. Over to Annabelle. Hey Molly, my name's Annabelle. I'm five years old. I love hide and seek. My question is... Why the leaves fall down in autumn? Bye! Thank you, Annabelle, for your great autumnal question. To answer it for you, I have Karen from the Woodland Trust. She works with trees and leaves and she knows the answer. Over to Karen. Hi Annabelle, my name is Karen and I work for the Woodland Trust. The Woodland Trust is a charity that looks after trees and woods all over the United Kingdom. We love playing hide and seek too and we believe that woods are the world's best playgrounds. You can find lots of fun games to play in the woods on our Nature Detectives website. Just get a grown up to help you look. So. Why do trees lose their leaves in autumn? That's such a great question. Just like a hedgehog hibernates in the winter when it's colder and there's less food around, lots of different types of trees also like a long winter snooze. In the summer, the leaves do an amazing job of turning all the lovely sunlight into food for the tree. This process is called photosynthesis. Photosynthesis means that trees have enough energy to grow and produce seeds, whether in a nut, fruit or berry. Trees have lots of different ways 
ways of spreading their seeds to produce more trees. Trees all start losing their leaves around the same time of year. This is what we call autumn, which is usually around September, October time. They do this because in the winter there's less sunlight and cooler nights, making it much harder for photosynthesis to happen. So trees stop growing in winter and rather than waste lots of energy keeping all the beautiful leaves, they let the leaves go. Also, trees lose water through their leaves so when they let go of all of them, they protect their precious water source too. When spring comes around again and there's more sun and water, they grow new leaves and the whole circle starts again. Thanks so much, Karen, for your brilliant answer. I really hope that answers your question, Annabelle, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend ahead walking in the last of the beautiful autumn leaves. If you have a question you would like answered on the show, this is how you do it. Just ask an adult to let you borrow or help you use their smartphone and open the voice recording app. Then you need to say your name, your age, a bit about yourself and ask me your question. And send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. Have a look at the show's website, everythingunderthesun.co.uk for more info and to run you through those steps. Again, I can't wait to hear all of your questions. So over the last few weeks, I've been doing a lot of what people call nesting. That's when you stay at home in the warm with a new little baby and get cosy and warm like in a nest. So I thought it would be fun to have a question about birds' nests. Here's one from Rufus. Over to Rufus. My name is Rufus and I am six and I live in London and I love swimming and running. My question is... How do birds build their nests? Thanks, Rufus, for your brilliant question. Well, just as there are lots of different kinds of birds, there are all kinds of nests, each one designed to perfectly suit the bird that lays eggs in it. Birds' nests are a safe, warm place for birds to keep their eggs and chicks until they're ready to fly out into the big wide world. Before building a nest, birds will check out a possible site for a while to make sure it's a safe spot, out of the eyes of things that might try to eat their chicks or eggs, and out of the reach of bad weather. Then the birds get to work, using their beaks to build and weave nests. Most birds use sticks, but there are all kinds of nests. Some use spider webs, some moss, feathers and even stones. Most birds only take a few days each year to build their nest and somehow they all know which nest to build for the type of bird they are. Usually it's the females who build the nest. Sometimes the males help out. Here are a few different kinds of nests. The largest nests in the world are bald eagle nests. Males and females mate for life and build a nest together. They choose the tallest tree close to water, ideally away from humans, and then they start to build a nest high in the tree, just below the top, wherever there are good branches to support the massive, massive nest that you could pretty much fit into. They both bring sticks to add to the nest and then arrange them to make a cosy place for their chicks and eggs. They add some moss and feathers to line the nest, and this takes a long time. Three months! That's a long time to build a bird's nest. One nest can weigh the same as a large car, and instead of building a new one each year, the old eagles add new sticks each year so that the nest gets bigger. The largest bald eagle nest ever found was near St. Petersburg, Florida, USA, and it measured 2.9 meters wide and 6 meters deep, and it weighed 3 tons. Bald eagles aren't bald, they have white feathered heads. The word bald used to mean white 
or white-faced. The bee hummingbird, on the other hand, is the world's smallest bird. It measures 5.7 centimetres long. Bee hummingbirds lay the world's tiniest egg into the world's smallest nest, which is the size of a thimble. It's made of cobwebs, moss and lichen. Bee hummingbirds only live in Cuba and the Isle of Pines in the Pacific. They eat nectar, insects and pollen. They have to eat all the time to have enough energy to live and fly. Did you know that hummingbirds can fly in all directions, including sideways and backwards? Not many birds can do that. Rooks build a huge nest at the top of trees by collecting sticks and dropping them on the branches they've chosen to call home. Blackbirds, robins and song thrushes build little cups of woven grass and twigs lined with mud and wrapped in moss so they blend into the leaves of a tree and can't be easily seen. If you watch a blackbird building her home, she will make a base, then add grass and twigs, then turn in the nest and weave each new strand to the side of the nest, keeping it nice and smooth and tightly packed so it's strong enough to hold her eggs and chicks. Did you know that it is possible to build bird's nests out of pebbles. Each November, Adelie penguins in Antarctica build nests for their two eggs out of pebbles they have collected. The simplest nests in the world are called scrapes. That's when birds just scrape a bit of the soil or sand that they're in and lay their eggs. Ostriches, ducks, quails, partridges all make scrape nests, and usually because they're not very safe there, oh no! the eggs they lay are in colours that match their surroundings, so they're very hard to see. There's a bird called a thermometer bird that lives in Australia. They build nests out of compost and sand. They keep their nests at the same temperature of 33 degrees all the time, which is the perfect warmth for their eggs to grow. They test the temperature inside their nests using their beak and tongue as a thermometer. If the nest gets too hot, the birds open up the nest to let air out and cool it down until it's just right. Owls, take it easy. They don't make nests at all. They live inside holes in trees, as do woodpeckers and blue tits. Starlings and sparrows like to live in the roofs of houses. Guillemots lay their eggs high on the edge of cliffs by the sea, as do orcs. Their eggs are pointy at one end, so they roll in a circle in the wind, or if they're pushed by another creature, rather than being like other birds' nests and just rolling off the cliffs into the sea. Some birds don't bother building nests. Buzzards use old crow's nests, and some species of cuckoo lay their eggs in other birds' nests and leave their eggs for other birds to look after. My favourite birds' nests are bowerbird nests. They are the incredible homes created by bowerbirds found in the forests of New Guinea and Australia. They're incredibly colourful and beautiful. Male bowerbirds build and decorate their homes with objects they find on their travels, hoping a female will be impressed by how great they are at building a home and will move in. Satin bowerbirds collect blue things for their nests. Golden-fronted bowerbirds decorate their bowers with fruit and male regent bowerbirds decorate their bowers with green saliva, sometimes painting it on with leaves. A Vogelkop bowerbird decorates the entrance to his home with colourful flowers. That's a nice idea. I hope that answers your question, Rufus. It's a lovely idea to put a bird's nest up in your garden if you have a garden, on a balcony, or on a local tree if you can. If you help a bird out, then they have more energy to lay eggs and have baby birds. You can also leave things out that birds might like to build nests out of, like plants, leaves, or even when you brush your hair, take the hair off your hairbrush and chuck it out the window. You never know, a passing bird might pick it up and pop it into its nest to make it all nice and cosy. I hope that answers your question, Rufus. If you 
have a question you would like answered on the show, all you have to do is ask an adult to record you asking it. Ask them to use their smartphone, open the voice recording app and record you asking your name, your age, a bit about yourself and your question. And send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. I can't wait to hear your questions and play them to baby Albie. Now it's time for our third and final question, which is about football. It's a bit of a cliche to say because my little baby is a boy, he will like football. Who knows? He really might not like it at all. But his big brother and his dad like football, so maybe the baby will grow up to like it too. We'll find out in the next couple of years. Our football question comes from Harrison and Hayden. Over to you two. So, I'm Hayden and I'm six years old. So, I'm Harrison and I'm four years old. And we like to do football and cricket. And our question is, how was football invented? Thank you both for your brilliant question. Well, to answer it for you, I have James Harkin, who is an old friend of mine. We worked together writing questions for the TV show QI for many, many years, and we learned lots of facts together. James is now the host of a podcast which you might love called No Such Thing as a Fish. It's full of fun facts and laughter. James knows all about football, so he's the perfect person to answer your question. Over to James. So, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, there were games called football that were played between whole villages. Hundreds of people would fight to get a ball from one church to another, and basically, there were no rules. It was pretty much a huge fight. In fact, at one game in Derby in 1846, the army was called out to restore order. That's definitely a referee you wouldn't want to argue with. Uh, That game was called football, but actually it was more like rugby because you were allowed to pick up the ball if you wanted to. And then about 200 years ago, the public schools of England made much more organised games. The main difference to these is that there were actual rules. So schools like rugby, Marlborough and Eton, they made these rules to try and instill the virtues of hard work, discipline and self-control. It was basically thought that by playing sport, you would become a better person not least because it kept your mind off more naughty things like drinking beer or whatever. Then the towns of the north of England made their own version of the game because they wanted to stop their workers from getting in trouble. The oldest football club was founded in Sheffield and to stop their players from handling the ball, the players were given two coins to hold in each hand. If they tried to pick up the ball with their hands, they dropped the coins. So at this time, there were lots of different rules played by different teams. And sometimes you play one set of rules in the first half and then the other team set of rules in the second half. But then in 1863, official rules were written up in London that will be played by everyone. It was quite different from today. There were no goalkeepers, for instance. There was no half time. And if you can believe it, no VAR. But these rules caught on. And importantly, they changed as time went on and ended up with the game that we have today. There's another theory that football began in China. There was a game about 2,000 years ago where players had to kick a leather ball into a goal, but the ball was much smaller and the goal was only about the width of a ruler. There was also a game played in Myanmar where the game was basically to do keepy-uppies and dance at the same time. And there was a game played in the Americas where people were sacrificed after the game. But basically, kicking a ball around is just the kind of thing that humans like to do for fun, really. And so people have done it ever since they realized they had feet. But to make a sport, you need rules. 
and those rules were invented in Britain about 200 years ago and they were invented to stop people from getting into too much trouble. Thanks so much, James, for your brilliant answer. Isn't it amazing that football used to be played between whole villages? It had no rules and it was basically just a big fight between hundreds of people. I hope that answers your question, Hayden and Harrison. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. A huge thank you to the wonderful Karen from the Woodland Trust for talking to us about autumn leaves and to James Harkin from No Such Thing as a Fish for chatting to us about football. And of course, a big, big thank you to Rufus, Hayden, Harrison and Annabelle for this week's questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. I hope you all have a lovely week walking in the beautiful leaves if you're in England or Europe and it's autumn where you are or if you're lucky enough to be having summer right now enjoy your time in the sunshine have a look for some birds in their nests and maybe you'll fancy kicking a football about too remember if you'd like to send in a question just borrow an adult smartphone call your name your age a bit about yourself and send me your question to molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk also, if you like the show, remember to rate it and leave a lovely review wherever you listen to the podcast. Of course, tell all your friends to listen to Everything Under the Sun and send in their questions. Maybe you can even do it as a school project with your whole class sometime in the lead up to Christmas. Wishing you all a very lovely week. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>